Good morning again. <laughs> this is where Jeremy gets off the stage. I get back up on the stage. <clears throat> uh, we're starting a new series today called Pillars. And pillars may be taken for granted a lot, but I just want to take a second and just consider how important pillars really are. Uh, pillars hold up, they support, right, the most important thing. They're not the most important thing. They support <clears throat> the most important thing. Think of a house, maybe on the edge of a cliff. Think of a pier over the ocean. Uh, even a front porch, right, so it doesn't fall on our heads. Uh, pillars hold up that most important thing. And so we're going to talk about what are the pillars that hold up the most important thing. And on the next slide, on the next slide, you'll see that the most important thing for us is the mission, the Great Commission. What are the things that hold up, that support, that strengthen the mission? Now, this is what we're going to talk about. Again, it's a whole series we're going to do, talk about each pillar. But just remember, in all of this, uh, it's not just like the organization, the church, like its mission. Like, this is your mission, personally. This is my mission, like personally. Uh, what is it that God has called us to do? What is my purpose in life? And then what are the gifts that God's given me that will support that mission, that most important thing? Well, if you're a follower of Jesus, the most important thing you can do is connect other people to Jesus, right? And that starts in our own homes. And if you are a spouse, the most important thing you can do is to help your spouse be more connected to Jesus. If you have children, there's nothing more valuable that you can give to your child than a relationship with Jesus Christ. Siblings, your cousins, your extended family, your neighbors, your community. And so as we look at the church here, as we gather as a family together, you know, that mission of connecting people starts here with us, with our family. We want to continue to grow in our relationship with Jesus. We also want to connect new people to Jesus, our friends and family, our neighbors, the community, the whole world we want to be connected to Jesus. And so how can we do that? Wait, did I miss one? Back up. There you go. <clears throat> if, let's just, for example, let's just say your personal mission was this. This was your personal mission statement. I want to be the greatest marathon runner in the world and spread the love of running. Okay? It's definitely not my mission statement, but <clears throat> it might be yours. God bless you if it is. I admire you. Um, so what are the things that I need to do? What's going to support that mission? If I do these things, what's, what's going to support it? Well, you need to run. Okay, then I'm out. That's it. Uh, probably drink water, eat healthy, uh, hang out with other runners, right? Maybe be equipped to spread the love of running. Now, if you went and ran a marathon, I think that would be one of the pillars, right? You'd be running, you'd be drinking water, you'd be hanging out with other runners, and you wouldn't be doing maybe... I don't know, equipping yourself to spread the love, but you get most of it, and that's okay. There's other pillars, right? They're going to help us do the whole mission. Well, for us, the mission is connecting people 
to Jesus. That's the way we've said this uh, for many, many years here at Desert Foothills. Uh, the mission is, and you can say it with me, connecting people to Jesus. All right, I don't think Pastor Jeremy heard you at home, so let's try it one more time. Connecting people to Jesus. Thank you. He Thumbs up. All right. Uh, that's the most important thing that we can do. And so what we're talking about in this series, again, what is going to support us in connecting people to Jesus? Uh, worship, growing in faith and love, and sharing our faith, and sharing God's love, his mercy with our neighbors. We're going to start off today with the first pillar, and <clears throat> it's worship. And it's a mighty pillar for your faith, for your walk in this world, uh, for, for following Jesus. And Jesus said, right after he was baptized, he went into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil. And different temptations, Jesus always countered with Scripture. And so here, Jesus is actually quoting the Old Testament. But, but he says to us today, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone shall you serve. Now you're looking at this, and you're probably thinking, duh, of course, <laughs> It's kind of a dust statement. Of course, we, we worship the Lord and we serve him alone, obviously. Why would Jesus bring this up? Well, Jesus must realize that there's a little problem, that all of us face temptations to worship other things and to serve other causes and other people. And it's a temptation that is, is so real and, 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 and just prevalent in society, it will always infect us and distract us from the mission, from our purpose in life. Now, Martin Luther talked about this when he talked about the first commandment. What's the first commandment? You shall have no other gods. What does this mean? You should fear Love and trust in God above all things. So anytime you fear, trust, or love anything more than God, we call that idolatry. Uh, another way, later on, Luther would say this. Uh, that to which your heart clings and entrusts itself is, I say, really your God. I'm going to share just a few uh, common idols. This sin is called idolatry. Uh, a few common idols that are prevalent in our world, and again, uh, it can't help but to infect our worldview, our priorities, become distractions and temptations for us. <clears throat> the first very common idol is money. The love of money is the root of all evil, Paul says to Timothy. Truer words have never been spoken. Now, does it say money is the root of all evil? No. What's the root of all evil? The love of money. Because we're supposed to fear love and trust in God above all things. But for some reason, money becomes the number one competitor for our heart. Money and stuff, possessions. Jesus said it this way. He said, no man can serve two masters. You're either going to love one and, be, and despise the other or vice versa. 
You cannot serve both God and, you know it, mammon. Come on, that's the King James. You know the King James Bible, right? Mammon, it's, it's all that stuff. But yeah, money. Money and possessions and wealth and all of those things. What's fascinating to me is that Jesus really could have picked anything, right? You know, two things. You cannot serve both God and fame. It's true. That's true. You cannot serve uh, God and the lusts of the flesh. The kids have left, right? Yeah. Uh, Right? That's a true statement. But he didn't. Of all the things, so many things he could have picked. He said, folks, you cannot serve both God and money. Because he knew money was the number one competitor for our hearts. The number one uh, distraction. It consumes everything that we do. We work. We pay bills. We buy things. We, it, it, it's, we plan for this trip. We plan for retirement. We plan, it's just constantly, it's all around us, sucking our attention away. Now, money's not evil, remember? Right? Money is just a gift that God's given us. And that's what all of these are going to be. There's just gifts God's given us, but they can be abused. Right? They can be aspired to, trusted, loved more than God. And that's, that's the sin of idolatry. Another common idol in our country, whoo, fame, celebrity status. And with technology, with social media, it seems that fame is attainable by everybody. Imagine if everybody were famous. That doesn't even make sense, right? That's like, of my kids are above average, right? It doesn't add up. You can't all be famous. But what's worse is that our society is driven. Like, it's always better to be a celebrity than not. And that mind frame, that, that goes completely against following Jesus, where I want to put myself last so I can put you first. I want to become less so that you can become more. That's the model that Jesus laid for us. Not to be, get all the accolades and attention, be famous, right? But it's a popular God. Just look how hard parents will work for their children to be famous, whether it's athletics or music. I'm sorry, have you ever seen on TV one of these children beauty pageants? Ah, wow. Why? So he can be famous. Not, not a good God to have. But along those lines, a, another popular one in our culture is beauty. Right? We, we chase after beauty. We want to fight Father Time for as long as we can. And again, all these are gifts from God. There's nothing wrong. But you can't, you can't make all your devotion and attention and time and money uh, uh, to beauty, right? You are, you are chasing after a God that is always fading. It's always fading. You can't stop it. Another popular God, this is one that uh, I see pretty frequently. I don't want to pick on millennials necessarily, but, <clears throat> I mean, if the shoe fits. Um, comfort. Right? Always looking for the easiest way. Path of least resistance. And <laughs> why this is such a big problem is that we want to avoid at all costs doing anything that is hard, even if that's the right thing. 
And let's be honest, a lot of times the right thing is the hard choice, right? Uh, when, we, when we seek comfort above all things, we are going to be less likely to fulfill our commitments to people. You see that in the breakdown of marriages, right, all across our country. Comfort. Uh, so many examples, but uh, terrible, terrible idol to, to put your devotion and attention to and pretend like that's your life purpose. <clears throat> now, the next uh, example I've got for you is family. Wait, what's family doing on this list? I bet Pastor Jeremy slipped that in on me. That's not supposed to be there. Oh, wait a second. Maybe it is. You see, family is a very great blessing, but it is a terrible God. Idolatry. And some common examples, you might hear younger people talk about, oh, when I find my spouse, when I find the husband, when I find the perfect wife, oh, then I'll be happy. <laughs> or even couples, oh, when we have children, then we'll have the sense of fulfillment. Then we'll have this picture-perfect family. Well, family is a wonderful thing. It's a great blessing. But if you find your meaning in life, your fulfillment, your purpose in your children primarily, what's going to happen when they grow up and move out? Or if you depend on your spouse for that meaning in life, unquestionably at some point they will disappoint you. Family is a great blessing, but it's also hard. Marriage and parenting, it's difficult and it's messy. Right? We don't want to substitute, right? What's the most important thing in our life? Because all of the, we get the number one thing right, everything else falls into place. What did Jesus say? He said that, didn't he? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and what? All these things will be added unto you. Beauty, comfort, family, all of this. So, family, great gift, lousy God, all right? Uh, you won't find your purpose there. You'll be very frustrated if that's your main purpose in life. Now, when it comes to weeds, you know that you can get rid of them a number of ways. Uh, back in uh, Tennessee, where I uh, live for here, uh, cut the grass often, grew, grew very fast. Uh, and <coughs> I like comfort, so uh, I, did, I just, mowed in, just mowed the weeds down. Just mowed them every time, every week. And, of course, what do they do? They pop right back up. Now, if you really want to get rid of the weed, what do you got to do? You got to pluck it up, right, by the roots, and it'll never grow back. Well, here's the thing. All these idols, and many, many, many more that we are all tempted, and uh, again, not that any of you have one idol, this is the thing, but different times in life, different times of the year maybe, right, different things compete for that number one spot for your devotion. But all of those things really are symptoms of the biggest idol of all, the most powerful idol of all, and that's me, self. Human beings in our sinful condition are selfish creatures. It's from the very beginning, the very first sin, 
No, God, I want to do things my way. I want to do it my way. I want to do it my way. Uh, all through the day. Every really sin, every sin really, is, it boils down to a selfish decision, right? Something I want to do for myself. I think this will be better. This will be easier. This will be happy. Whatever, whatever, whatever. It's me, 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 me. And we live in a culture that promotes this idea of taking care of number one, right? Take care of number one, man. We do, do whatever you want, as long as it makes you happy. Oh, you're not happy in your marriage anymore? Get divorced. Just do what makes you happy. Like that justifies a breaking of a commitment. Here's the thing. Remember the, number, the uh, first commandment. You shall have no other gods. What does that mean? Fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Every time we worship another idol, every time we break any commandment, Ten Commandments. Every time we sin, we are also breaking the first commandment. Every time. Let's say I steal a loaf of bread. That's the seventh commandment, if you've forgotten from confirmation class. Uh, obviously, I've broken the seventh commandment, right? But you know what? I've also broken the first commandment when I did that. Why is that? Well, one, I don't fear God's just punishment for sin to stop me from being selfish and taking that for myself. I don't trust that God is going to provide my daily bread and everything that I need for sustenance in this life. I'm going to get it for myself. And I don't love God for the love, the sacrifice, the blessings I've been given from him enough to want to honor him and live the way he wants us to live in this world and carry out his mission. Every sin is an is a idolatry. Uh, every sin is replacing uh, God as who we're worshiping and who we are serving alone. Now, St. Augustine, he said this, pretty clever, I think. Idolatry is worshiping anything that ought to be used. Now, that's all the things we've been talking about. Money, Beauty, comfort, family, all of these things are gifts from God. And any gift can be abused. That's what we're talking about. But there's another side to this coin. Idolatry is worshiping anything that ought to be used and using anything that is meant to be worshipped. Using anything that is meant to be worshipped. There's only one thing that's meant to be worshipped. Who's that? Worship the Lord God alone. So when we think of God as this cosmic slot machine, right, we just put in the right inputs and we'll get what we want out of him. We think of church that way sometimes. Well, I'm kind of lonely. Maybe I go to church. I feel better. Or, help. Oh, I'm in trouble. Maybe I need to pray and that'll, that'll help me. Things will get better if I start praying. We don't use God, right? We worship God and we serve God. We love him and we trust him. And those elements of our faith are strengthened in worship more than anything else. Just this last Christmas, we sang uh, a Christmas song called Angels from the Realms of Glory. You remember singing that song? Nick was up here. Uh, well, the refrain in that song is come and worship Come and worship. In the verse 1, the shepherds are beckoned to come and 
worship. In verse 2, the angels are beckoned to come and worship. In verse 3, the saints in heaven are beckoned to come and worship. And I'm telling you, still today, the Holy Spirit is beckoning all people around the whole earth to come and worship Christ, the newborn king, the one who loves us so much, wants to be with us so desperately that he became human so that he could die in our place on a cross, so he could rise from the dead, so we would have, again, through baptism, through this buried with him in baptism like his, and resurrected in a, bat, in a resurrection like his, live eternally with him. Come and worship. Worship is the most simple, it's the most powerful pillar that we're going to talk about in this whole series. And so I would ask you, if you only practice one of these pillars, I mean, if you only make one of these a New Year's resolution, make worship the New Year's regular faithful worship because there are so many distractions and, and false idols out there in the world. We need this every week to reorient our minds, our spirits, uh, before we go back out into another week in this world. You see, worship is not for the benefit of God. Be very clear about that. Worship is not for his benefit. He doesn't, he's not a megalomaniac, egotist. You come sing my praises, tell me how wonderful I am. No, that's not what is going on here. Worship is for us. It's a gift that God has given to us, again, every week, for, for millennia. Go back to the Old Testament, right? Every week, he knows we need this, call it a reminder, this reboot. We need this, these gifts that God gives us in his word and in his sacraments that we get to partake of even here this morning. And so, if you stick around after the service, we're going to talk about our growing legacy for the gospel it's ministry campaign. We're going to look at all the things God's called us to do, what tools uh, we've uh, dreamed up and designed uh, for us to be able to carry out that mission. But the bedrock of that is, is worship. Right? We want people in our community to come and worship Christ, the newborn king, and have their lives completely transformed by Jesus Christ. Amen? Yeah, amen. All right.